0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Gens and Associates podcast. I'm your host, Catherine young IOT consultant and analyst for Gens and Associates. For this episode, I am joined by a couple members of the core research team to reflect on what we learned in our latest study, which is the Optimizing Affiliate Engagement Survey. So I have Steve Gens and Greg Brolin here with me. Steve and Greg, welcome to the podcast. You guys have done this with me a few times now, so you know I like to start by asking each of you to give a quick brief intro for our new listeners, and then we'll get right into the study.
1: Thanks, Catherine. So uh, Steve Gens here, Managing Partner of Gens Associates, and I've uh, been around the life science space for over 30 plus years and uh, you know, running the company for about 18 years. And uh, I think this was our 42nd study and Greg, I know you've been along the way for most of those studies, and um, you know after I left industry in J&J and went to Booz Allen, that's where we met up. So uh, over to you, Greg.
2: Thanks, Steve. So this is Greg Broland. As Steve mentioned, I've been working with Steve on these studies, the big studies, or the so-called pulse surveys, which are smaller, uh, since I think at least 2011, maybe 2009. So we've, we've had quite a, a run together for most of those 42 surveys. I was originally uh, uh, from the uh, Food and Drug Administration um, and spent quite a few years there. Went into consulting, as Steve mentioned, we met at Booz Allen Hamilton. I've been working with Steve, as I mentioned, on these uh, surveys and and other other projects uh, since around 2009. Catherine,
0: Great, thanks so much. You guys have both been working together for so long, I feel like I'm a little jealous when you guys talk about how far back you go. Um, But anyway, so the affiliate study, um, I guess I'll start off by saying that this is one heck of a study, right? We literally just sent out all the individual packages um, last week, and the level of complexity of analyzing all these individual company data across different regions of the, gro- of the globe, um, I think, like I said, the level of complexity was new for us, and um, it, was, it was a lot. <laughs> um, but let me start by sharing some general information for our listening audience. Our 2023 Optimizing Affiliate Engagement Study was designed to capture the voice of the affiliate. We had numerous companies across industry and regulatory service and software providers uh, chip in to developing the questions so that we could collectively learn what needs to happen in order to improve the lives of the affiliates in terms of how they work and how they manage key regulatory information. So some of the key goals of the research were to explore and understand the affiliates perspective on how they could be better supported within their functions. You know, what are those uh, key barriers for collaboration and engagement with headquarters and to um, identify those opportunities where we can improve uh, process and system efficiencies. I think we can all agree on the success of our research because we were able to explore these topics from 320 affiliates from 94 individual countries all in all, we had 20 unique companies with a good representation of like the large, mid-tier, a couple small companies across biopharmaceuticals and the medtech um, uh, area. So, Steve, what can we or you tell our listeners about key learnings from the study?
1: Yeah, thanks, uh, Catherine. And I, I think with the key learnings, um, these are what I would say, the initial learnings. We're, we're going to be unpacking this for quite a while because you know, we did that um, the regional analysis and then the size of the affiliate they're all different and it's probably well, one of the things uh, that greg greg and i did back in the 2013 to 15 where we had four individual companies i think it was about 64 unique countries uh greg where we had some of these what i would say baseline you know questions on that um so some of the, the, the i think the key takeaways What I was expecting and kind of came through is, although it was eight years ago um, and we have, you know, one of the areas about the percentage of time and the efficiency of using global systems and tools versus the local. And it was kind of surprising back in 2015. It was around 13 percent, meaning most of the time is in those local Excels, the SharePoint, you know, non-standard ways of working around the globe. The good news, that's up around 48%, and we knew there was going to be a substantial change in this because there's been a substantial investment, and we estimate it with our total addressable market, uh, in the last five years, about 1.9 billion U.S. dollars has been spent. Um, just modernizing regulatory processes and system with a big focus at the uh, local affiliate. So the fact that it went from 13 to 48% now, about half and half, and local Excels and SharePoints, uh, they're still gonna exist, but they shouldn't be the primary system. So it almost feels like it's it's like the intermission or halftime, there's still a ways to go, but great progress has been made. So I think that's the one, you know, that um, that I was uh, expecting. I think one of the key learnings for me actually came out when we, or many of us were presenting at the Lorenz conference uh, two weeks ago with some of the uh, kind of preliminary findings and the conversation afterwards. One of the wa- ahas was, because we said, yeah, there's four subsets in our research. You have the small local affiliate, uh, that's one to four people, say five to eight, I think it was nine to 15 and 16 plus that a lot of the companies, everybody even tries to include the affiliates, but they tend to be the larger ones. So I think a key learning there was there's not enough representation. And a lot of times those very small affiliates, they're doing reg affairs, reg ops, maybe a little safety work, that that voice really isn't represented well in global systems and processes. And they tend to be uh, the most... um, you know the highest percentage of users and infrequent users so that's a you know kind of one that i was expecting and one uh, that was really really interesting um i can go on and on about this but uh, greg greg what were some of your key takeaways from this
2: yeah so i just sort of echo what you said i think my key takeaway is that there is a continued use of local systems in addition to global systems by the affiliates. As you said, um, it's improved in terms of the percentage of time being spent in global uh, versus local. But in a lot of affiliates, it's almost 50-50. And we did a quick quick little calculation um, from the 320 affiliates. And it turns out that the average number of tools being used for any given capability is over four. So that means that any given affiliate for, for example, product registration management, they're using, on average, four different tools. And 91% of those affiliates, again, for product registration management, use the global RIM system, and 86% 86 used an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so it's interesting, and we don't have to get into it here, but it does raise some concerns about what the true authoritative source is when they're spending that much time managing data in two systems. And are they being efficient, um, or are they, are they managing duplicate data uh, across two different systems? Uh, or are they looking at more local information in the Excel versus the global RIM. So there's still a lot of investigation to be done. And as Steve said, we're really starting to unpack some of this data. But that was my initial takeaway, is that there's still a large number, a large amount of time being spent in local tools as well as global, even though the global usage has increased.
0: Yeah, I actually I want to throw a little a little bit of what I thought was my key learning from this as well and then I'll I'll ask you guys a couple questions based on what you said. But for me, you know, we asked a question about um about you know, how involved affiliates are with making decisions about, you know, system and process changes, you know, training, change management, um basically about their engagement with headquarters. And I think for me it was it was kind of confirming and nice to see how um, uh, the percentage of affiliates who are not involved with some of those key um, uh, processes and decision making, but would like to be. So I think that that might be a good sort of, um, you know, call to action for headquarters to, uh, to better engage with their affiliates by including them to, um, you know, help them make decisions about picking out sort of, you know, systems and tools and the, ch- the changes that they're going to be making along the way. Um, so anyway, so back to um, sort of the key learnings. I mean, you talked about a couple of things that you thought were um, expected, um, that you guys expected to see, but anything that surprised you, either of you?
1: Yeah, um, you know, for me uh, on this, and uh, I, I guess getting back to your point, uh, Catherine, too, is that you know, it was really clear that um, by the vast majority, they want to be more included. But what was really interesting about that, you know, kind of with your performance pyramid, a lot of it was not so much the system, it was more, you know, better help with uh, resourcing, if you do process, you know, redesign or optimization, there was a big call to be included in that, and decisions about what changes to the system. So it, it was more about things that are on an organizational process layer where they want to be included earlier. And in. so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I, I have one of the charts up and the, the thing for me, um, that I again was expecting, but part of it, it was like, wow. And, and, and is this a risk concern, um, is again, that, that balance of global and local tools. So, um, um The health authority interactions and regulatory intelligence management, those were two out of the nine regulatory activities that we tracked, have a very high degree of local usage. And that kind of makes sense. It's the local health authority interactions, and then at some point they'll put it into the global system. And we all know the regulatory intelligence area is just really immature. The thing that stuck out, and I actually was very surprised, was the low percentage of use with the global it tends to be the registration system. some companies have a, a global system just for health authority commitments that you know by a factor of greater than two to one it's you know predominantly managed in local regional tools uh, with a smaller subset on the commitments. So that's kind of the one one surprise when I looked across the nine regulatory activities. The other thing when we looked across that region, that if you look at the ratio of time spent in the global, you know, versus the local, you know, the lowest, you know, uh, and and they were all fairly close to put that, you know, put that in perspective. But the four regions, we had the Americas, so the Western Hemisphere, Asia, Asia PAC, uh, the greater, uh, greater, like an expanded definition of Europe and Middle East and Africa. And this was based on, I know we had a conversation about that. We coded to United Nations standards but it was the Middle East and Africa that had a better balance of using the global stuff and, versus the local. So that was surprising. And Europe was actually um, out of the four, you know, more on local, less on uh, global. So that was kind of surprising from a geographic standpoint of this kind of global system usage. So that kind of stuck out, stuck out for me. Um, Great, Greg, what else stuck out for you?
2: Yeah. So a lot of it was confirming, but also, I would say in terms of the size of the affiliate and the number of countries supported by affiliates of various sizes uh, was surprising in the sense that there's a wide variety. We had a lot of affiliates with one person really managing regulatory uh, activities and managing regulatory information up to, as you pointed out, up to 15, 16 or more but we also asked about how many countries you support, you being the affiliate. And in a number of instances, it was one country, um, but also it ranged up to three, four, five, or even a region. So they were almost functioning as a hub. Um, so, and I know that's that's the way life really is, but it, it's a cautionary tale in a way that the operating model, the way affiliates interact with headquarters and with their countries varies. So we have to be aware of that when we start looking at conclusions as to what's good for the affiliate and what's not working and not working. And to Steve's point, as we go into this analysis of the data further, we will look at the data based on the cohort that includes small uh, numbers of people and small numbers of countries, as opposed to large uh, uh, staffing models and many, many different countries being represented. And I assume those groups will kind of be together. But uh, it, it is interesting that that's something that I think we'll need to consider as we uh, do more analysis of the data.
0: Thanks, Greg. Yeah, I, I I know that we as a research team have talked about how there is there are like limitless ways for us to slice this data. And so I think we're going to be learning about it for, for quite some time to come. Um, but I wanted to ask you both um, back in and Steve, you touched on this earlier. But back in 2013 and 2015, before I was part of the firm, I know you guys did some studies um, that were similar to this with, um, you know, with um, I think two or three companies, individual companies. right? Um, so my question is, can you compare and contrast on what you guys found then versus now? And and then based on that information, you know, how are things shifting in this space?
1: Yeah, so, so I'll take first shot at that. And I think the one stat I already gave, it was kind of the obvious one that when we took the average, the average time in global systems is 13%, it's 48% now. So, hey, $1.9 billion invested, so you better get, you know, movement on the performance dial. But like I said before, we're, we're not there on it. The other thing that we carried forward from that research, I know, Greg, it, we are really in tune back in that 13, 14, 15 About how much time does the local affiliate spend taking requests to verify information from regional or most likely the headquarters, the central, you know, kind of the central product teams? And that average was between six to nine percent. So you can say, well, well, you know, that's kind of low, but that's 15 or 20 percent of somebody's time each week. This is an average week, which is very substantial. So we're still unpacking this, um, but it's clear the higher degree. Of global system usage, that percentage is actually less, you know, uh, in the companies that there's full compliance, meaning 100% of the time, um, or 100% of the affiliates use the global system, they still might do some things in their local uh, Excels. Maybe there are some things like, you know, tender applications that they track locally, because locally, that data point's not in the global uh, team. But we're still, you know, looking into that there seems to be a correlation, you know, that the more compliant with the global system, there's less time, which is really good. That's, you know, anytime you're just spending your day verifying information, that's that's not productive uh, time. The other thing it appears to carry forward when we lined up all the regulatory activities that there was a higher degree of compliance with the global systems on things that were more content uh, re- uh, related. So, for example, local label management, submission content management, the submission archive, promotional materials, versus things that are more data. You know, like the product registration that Greg already referenced and submission forecasting. So that's um, you know great progress, but but still, it just feels we're at the halfway point. Still, still a lot of work to be done to get to the nirvana of true global ways of working uh, systems and processes. Greg, anything else? I don't know if I covered it all or not, but that's my recollection.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I I think that the other thing that is, again, confirming is that there's still, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of use of of, uh, local systems, although it's less uh, than in that earlier time frame and we, and we could, you know, a hypothesis around that would be the increase that we have seen in the last couple of world-class RIM survey cycles of the number of global systems that have been deployed to the affiliates. That has gone up. So we could have predicted, uh, that the use of global systems by affiliates in this survey would have gone up as well. So it may be a, uh, uh, maybe a cause and effect or, or might be somewhat independent. But in many ways, the operating model that I mentioned in the affiliates and how they interact with their health authorities and with headquarters is, is the same. It's just a matter of degree of systems and time spent in those systems that, that's uh, uh, changing. And, and we could actually characterize it as improving if you subscribe to the theory that the use of global systems is, in fact, an improvement, which, which we do.
0: I think that um, day one, when we sat down to do the analysis together to to look at what those key headlines were, I think, uh, Greg, what you said was, same story, getting better, <laughs> um, which I think kind of summarizes what you guys are saying now. Um, so my last question for the two of you are, you know, what are two or three things that companies should be doing today that can really improve that collaboration between the affiliates and the headquarters?
1: Yeah, there's there so many things I know in the executive summary of the report, we have a few slides dedicated to that. You know, So there, there's a lot of great ideas depending upon you know, where, where, you know, where a, a company is at. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick one because it wasn't just only industry. You know what, what can the software and service providers do better? So I think I have one for them, one for the local affiliate view of the world, and finally one from kind of a central regulatory view of the world. Um, I know we had five recommendations for the service and software providers, but I really want to focus on one for the software providers is how can they deepen their knowledge of a day in the life at the local affiliate? Because too often they rely on their customers, they just signed a nice contract, uh, the core team's there, they might have one, two, maybe three or four tops, representatives. You know, From the affiliate level, they tend to be the larger affiliates you know, and not the smaller ones. But do they have a deep appreciation of what goes on every day, especially with the smaller affiliates, because they're all infrequent users. Um, and there are some things in commonality. I know that one question sixteen we asked about other stuff that's tracked. You know, um, you know maybe more commercial data uh, in that, and how much of that is in the central system, you know, or the global system, and that. So I think deepen if the software providers can deepen their appreciation of what goes on every day, they're going to be better at what they can provide, especially for an infrequent user. Um, from a local affiliate standpoint is to better um, better better leverage their regional structures. We call them you know feedback loops. we're always talking about feedback loops but because you know, there's a lot it's almost for a large multinational you can't have 150 companies you know local operating markets participate in say process work right? So there's always a representation and that's kind of the dilemma but it's how that regional structure can get back to the local uh, markets. get a a higher voice from the local markets, although they might not participate directly, but they're representative. But on that feedback loop, come back, hey, this is what was decided. Some things were brought forward, some things were not, because we all know that if that feedback loop isn't closed, uh, there tends to be more resistance. Well, I told them I wanted this and they're not delivering it, but they never knew why. Um, and I think from a headquarters standpoint, and Greg, I know you and I, as we work with different software service providers, or all three of us, that message is improve the usability of tools from an infrequent user, not the core everyday user, because that's like 70% of the user population. So, so those are my three uh, choices, Catherine. I don't know what yours are, Greg, if some overlapped or you have some other ones.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of an overlap. I just picked out one, really. Um, and it's it's the uh, uh, basically having the affiliates um, in the role of stakeholders, right? And and how they can contribute to the various activities around process improvement and system improvement. And I think you mentioned earlier one of our questions in the survey was. Um, For a series of activities, such as requirements analysis, understanding the resources required to care and feed these systems and so forth, are you involved? Are you not involved, but would you like to be? We're not involved. We don't really care, or or we just have no opinion on that answer. And the most common answer at the affiliate level was, we're not involved, but we would like to be. And to your point, Steve, they can't all be involved. You can't have 100 affiliates sitting on a um, requirements uh, working group. So you have to have representatives, whether they're regional or you just pick a a, uh, a particular affiliate who can uh, spare the person for the time involved uh, to to be part of that group. Uh, The model is different, but they all require... Uh, and I think you mentioned this, they all require that the affiliate communicate both ways. They are responsible for representing their region or group of affiliates to um, the uh, headquarters um, team that's putting together this system or process, but they also have to uh, feedback what's going on. To your point, what we did do, what we didn't do, and why. So making sure there's... let's just call it stakeholder management, uh, back to those affiliates who are not involved but would like to be, that like to be, um, can in some cases actually being on the team, but also making sure their voice is heard and they understand uh, what's going on. So those affiliates who are in fact uh, sitting on those teams have to be advocates and champions uh, to go forward. So that communication I think is really critical to ensure the success of systems.
0: Yeah, I I agree 100%. And and you, you, you um, put it so well. So, um, you know, thank you both for being on with me today. Um, you know, if I could reach you to the screen and give you guys high fives or, you know, fist bumps or whatever people are doing nowadays, maybe pats on the back, um, for all the work we did, I, I could, I would, um, would either of you like to say anything else before I wrap up with some useful information for our listeners?
1: No, I, I think I'm, you know, kind of good here. And again, I know we're going to have a series of podcasts, you know, as we're just unpacking uh, this and as we're debriefing, you know, those 20 companies, we're going to learn by their questions. So there, I think there's a lot more to share over the next six months. And I, I think that's it here.
2: Yeah, nothing more here, Catherine.
0: Okay, great. So listeners, um, if you want to continue learning about the insights from the affiliate research, we have some resources for you. If your company participated, you should have received a company-specific report and also have the option to request a private debrief with our research team. So if you want to do that, in that debrief, we will review the results from just your affiliates and provide you an in-depth view on the status of your affiliate engagement within your company and any sort of interesting insights to go along with that. So if that interests you, um, please just send me an email or visit our site. You can put in a, re- put in a request through the corporate email as well. Um, So if your company is part of our membership community, you can access the webinar briefing, which is a video recording that goes over the entire survey question by question. And these are the results of the 320 affiliate participants. So the results of all all, of everybody. Um, If your company was not able to participate during a research time frame, but you would like to or maybe you want to in the near future, again, get in touch with us and we can set that up um, with you and, and let you know what your options are. For our next podcast episode, I will be speaking with Kelly Nat, and we'll discuss how companies can use the study findings and their individual results to really improve their global RIM journey. So with that being said, I hope everyone has a very lovely week. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Greg. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, cheers.